So a couple things I want to mention this morning. We're super excited um, this month. I'm a really excited wife this month that this month Pastor Brennan is actually on a prayer sabbatical. And the Lord uh, really spoke to us, probably it was uh, maybe at the end of October, about the need in this season and time to pivot in strength into all that God wants to do. Um, we, when you, you know, flick on the news, when you're going through your social media or when you're looking at the news and just what's going on in the nations and in our nation, we are living in pretty significant times. And in these significant times, we need the wisdom of God to know what we need to do and when. So we, um, as a staff and as a board, have just really blessed him this season for just four weeks. Come, to be honest with you, it's about three and a half at this point to really take a deep dive uh, with the Lord in prayer and fasting and just being with the Lord. So Pastor Brendan is that is there in that space right now. So if you're looking, you're like, where is he? He is resting. He is going deep with the Lord and we want to bless him to do that. In fact, we're going to pray real quickly for him if that's okay. So Father, this morning we pray for the visionary leader of this house. Father, we pray in this time of prayer and fasting in this time where he's set aside time to seek you. God, that you would encounter him in a profound way. Father, I pray that as he's in, as he's walking with you, as he's journeying with you as you are replenishing him as you are bringing him into the newness of this season God we pray that you would grant him wisdom Father we ask that as he cries aloud for discernment God that you would fill him to overflowing in this season may he lack nothing may he find his strength in you Father we just cover him as a congregation and we thank you God for our leader this morning we bless him this morning and we pray for him in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're thinking of him, pray for him. Uh, he's really enjoying the season. He's excited about that. Turn to your neighbor and say, seek 23. All right, we are getting ready to jump into 21 days of fasting. Should you be excited? Absolutely. Turn to somebody and smile and say, we're about to go deep. It's going to be fun. Um, we are embarking on 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we are starting, you know, effectively tonight as you go to bed tonight. I encourage you as a person or as a household, maybe to once again take communion, pray, dedicate, consecrate this time of prayer and fasting to the Lord. A couple things I want to make mention in it. Number one is we were made by God. We were made for God and we were made to search him out. We were made by God, for God, and made to search him out. And in this time of prayer and fasting, it is about searching out the deep mysteries of God. It's about taking time aside to search out the nature, the knowledge of God, the fear of the Lord, to increase in your understanding and your encounter with the Lord. Why? Because Proverbs 25, 2 says this, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. He conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory, but is the honor of kings. The honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meanings of all that God says. So we are set aside a time, 21 days, to search out the deeper things of God, to get to know him. This is a time of consecration. It is a set a time, set apart season this month. And I love what Job cried out 
in, in Job 36, 26, he said, behold, God is great and we do not know him. The number of his years are unsearchable. So why are we fasting? Why are we praying? Because sometimes we think we know him, but the Bible says that his ways and who he is is unsearchable. You will never come into the fullness of the knowledge of God on this side of eternity. We are to cry out and to learn and to grow and to figure out who he is. And this month we are on that journey of, of drawing near to him. Because 2 Corinthians says this, but we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree to, of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So why are we fasting, church? Because we want to increase in the knowledge of God. We want to know who He is. Job said, we, we think we know who He is, but we really don't know. What we have gained in our understanding of Him is probably like this. We've got to grow in our understanding. So how are we going to do that as a church this month? We're going to fast. How are we going to fast? You know, you may say, what am I going to do? That You can choose the methodology to which you're going to fast. There on our uh, website, there's a couple different ways you could fast. You could, you could, you know, fast, a Daniel fast, meat, no meat, no sweets. You could fast till dinner. You could fast a meal a day. Really, that's between you and the Lord. But we want you to stretch yourself in fasting because fasting subdues the flesh and the spirit of God. You begin to hear and see and perceive God differently when we fast. So don't make it easy on yourself. Turn to somebody and say, it's not going to be easy, but you will have grace. So we, nobody likes that, right? You know, everyone like, it's like, want, want, want. Nobody wants to fast. We love grace. But it causes, and it causes us to rely on God in a real way. And it actually creates a hunger in you. So we are going to be fasting. Um, we are also going to be praying. Um, there are prayer points. There, there are, you know, things that you can do to pray. There's personal prayer. Uh, you can go on your personal prayer journey. We're going to be doing corporate, corporate prayer. Why is this important? Because fasting without praying is, is starvation for no reason. And I like my food, you know. I believe the food is for the nourishment of the body. But if we are going to go into the place of fasting, we want to do it with the perspective that we are crying out to God for the spirit of revelation. We are coming to him and saying, God, I'm willing to put aside this to partake of this feast. Feasting in the word of God. Feasting in the presence of God through prayer. How can you do that? You know, what do you want to do? There are a couple different things that we put up on the website in that. Um, praying in the spirit, praying in your understanding, listening, contemplative prayer. For some of, some of us this month, we need to be really quiet and listen to what the Lord wants to say. We have a couple of corporate prayer opportunities on Friday, January the 13th. This is this coming Friday. We have altered prayer. That's our all church prayer. It's going to be here. It's going to be at 730. That's a night of us coming together as the body and saying, we're going after him together. So not only are you going after him personally, we're going to go after him together. You know, the week of the 16th, we are going to be doing our connections prayer. If you're in a small group, your small group is going to be gathering over Zoom or in person to pray. And then on Friday the 27th, we're excited. We have Prophet Jane and Yul Crawford that are going to be with us. How many people know who they are? 
you've been with us. Many of you don't. You're in for a surprise. We're going to have them. He's going to come minister prophetically to us. And then we are going to take on a night watch on the tail end of that. What is a night watch? Where is, is we're going to end at 10 o'clock with prophet, Ewell and Jane, and then we are going to worship and pray until about 1 a.m. Some of you are like, oh, that's a little stretchy. That's when I sleep. Between 10 and 1 is when I sleep. Well, I'll tell you this. If you put that aside and you come to seek the Lord together, we are going to be blessed as a corporate body in a powerful way. Then Bible reading. We've got some Bible reading plans that are up there on the link on the website. Actually, what you can do is you can go online and sign up for more information as we go through the month. We're going to be sending you information as to how you can get involved. But there are Bible reading plans. There's, you know, reading the New Testament in 21 days, the gospel in 21 days, the book of John in 21 days. There are many different things that we can do and that we will be doing through the course of the month. So we're super excited about it. So once again, there's fasting, there's prayer, there's Bible reading, and then we have the corporate prayer meetings and our gathering with Yule that will culminate our fast um, on that last weekend of January. So we're really excited about this. I just want to pray real quickly as we consecrate this time. How many people are going to engage in prayer and fasting this month? You want more of God. When you show your hand, put your hand up. You want more of God. And you're saying, God, I'm going to lay aside some time. Amen. My daughter is getting ready to fast. She said, Mom, I think I'm going to fast my phone for the entire year. I'm like, you know, that's just, that's a little extensive. You know, I think you can make it about a week. But I, I love her heart in it. I said, yeah, if, you, if the Lord is asking you to lay that down, go ahead. So, Father, right now we consecrate this fast to you. This fast has you at the center of it. Father, we say to you as a corporate church, we are pursuing a time and a season that is set apart to pursue the holy, to pursue you, the holy one, the majestic one, the, 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 our, our, our obsession, our, our longing is for you. And so, Father, right now I ask for grace for everyone here to fast and to engage in a season of fasting and prayer. Father, for those that say, my flesh is weak, but my spirit is willing, give more grace to fast. Father, for those that are setting their gaze on you, Father, we ask, God, that as we search you out, as we draw near to you, Father, your word says you draw near to us. So we, we believe you at your word, that as we step closer to you, as we pursue the knowledge of who you are, as we, we cry out for the increase of the fear of the Lord in this place, that, Lord, you will meet us as a congregation. And we thank you for that in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen? Amen. We're super excited this morning um, because in this month, you're gonna hear from a variety of different people. And this morning, I'm super excited that Pastor Samuel Kenga is gonna be bringing the word this morning. I'm excited, my brother, my friend, he has got a word for us as we kick off this season of fasting and prayer. Let's give him a hand as he comes this morning. Good morning, Toronto City Church. Happy, no, second, it's the second Sunday of the year. But happy second Sunday of the year. 2023 is a good year. I'm excited. I'm excited to fast. I am excited to go into this year. And some of you guys are like, you just, why are you excited to fast? I'm excited to go into this year fasting because God wants to do something in our lives. Let me tell you what God wants to do. He wants to adjust the way that we perceive him. 
Because if we perceive him rightly, we perceive ourselves rightly. And when we perceive ourselves rightly, we can partner with God and be able to, and we're, be, we're able to accomplish what he's asked us to do. Let me take you guys to Isaiah 6. And this is a vision that Isaiah saw, and it says this. It was in the year of King Uzziah, the year that King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on the lofty throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim. Each had six wings. Uh, with two wings, they covered their faces. With the other two, they covered their feet. With the other two, they flew, and they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy. Now, historian tells, tells us this, that it was believed that the longer the train of the robe was, the more victory a king had. So the way that you would be able to tell that a king was victorious, you would have a super long robe. Now, Isaiah says he sees God on a lofty throne and the train of his robe fills the temple. And you have to remember that the temple is no small room. The temple is majestic. The temple is, is big. And the train of God's robe fills the temple. So what is Isaiah saying? He's saying he is seeing God as a victorious one. He is seeing God as the God of many victories. And then later on in that chapter it says, Woe was me. Oh my goodness. I saw the Lord of angels' armies. Oh my, what's going to happen to me? And then an angel comes, gives him a coal, puts a coal in his mouth, and then he says, don't worry, you're, you're good now. This is Samuel's translation. You're good now. And then the Lord says, I'm looking who I can send. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Let me tell you guys something. The reason why Isaiah came to the place and said, here I am, send me, is because he was able to perceive God as the God of victory. And he knew that as he went, he would have victory. And some of us are unable to go at God's word because we don't see God rightly. And God right now, specifically in this fast, at the top of the year, wants to commission us to go and give us faith and give us empowerment. And he wants us to see him rightly so that when we go, we know that we have the victory. Amen? Amen. God wants to shift our perspective of him. He wants us to see him as a victorious one. And for way too long, there have been many things that have bullied us and made us, and we're, we're almost like the people of Israel when Goliath was coming out and he was taunting them. He was like, yo, who's going to step up and fight me? And the Bible says that they cowered in fear. And there are things in our lives, there are many things in the past years that have bullied us into a corner. And the Lord is saying, no more. Be like David. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dared defies the Lord of angels' armies? Because David was able to see God rightly. He stepped up to the plate and he fought because he knew the victory was his. Amen. So this time of fasting, the Lord will do an adjustment to how we perceive him. So that's what I want you to expect, that you will see the Lord rightly the one who has given you the victory, the one who has fought your battle. Psalm 139 says this, that he's gone into our future to make a way. So the very thing that you are worrying about right now, the very thing that you're afraid of right now, the Lord has gone into your future to make a provision. 
And when we know this, we live life full of confidence. Our hope is in God. Our foundation is in God, not in our abilities to perform. But it requires an adjustment in our perspective of God and how we view him and how we see him. I'm a guy who loves stories. I absolutely love stories. And if you want me to retain stuff, tell me a story or tell me a song. Sing me a song. I'll remember it. I'll be singing it. So how the Lord speaks to me, anyways, that was about my, that was on the side. It was my message. But how the Lord speaks to me is through stories. So the Lord gave me a, I believe that I have a strong word for the church this morning. And I want you guys to um, expect God to bring this word to pass in your life. So tune your faith meter up. So everyone just just find where your faith meter is. Whether it's here on your chest. Come on, put your hand on your chest. Come on, just turn it up. Turn it up. Turn, Turn up your faith meter right here in your heart. How you believe. Not in me, but in the God of angels army. The one who is able to give you the victory. So anyways, the Lord speaks to me in stories. And today I want to tell you guys a story about a king. And his name is King Asa. But before we talk about King Asa, I want to talk to you guys about his lineage. Give you a little bit of a backstory. So King Asa is the grand, 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 or I'll say this. King David is King Asa's like four, four generations removed grandfather. So it starts with King David. We know King David. If you don't know, go read his story. It's in, in the book of Samuel. He was a great king, uh, a psalmist, absolutely loved his life. He made some mistake. He was cool. Um, after King David came his son, Solomon. Now, Solomon was an interesting guy. He started off his life really well. First thing he says, he tells God, hey, God, you know what? Give me wisdom to lead your people. And God says, because you've asked for wisdom, I will give you wisdom and riches and, and give you wealth. And the Bible says that he, there was no king compared to him. Like in, in, in like all of Israel. Like he, he, he was like us young people. I'm so young. Us young people say he was caking which means he had wealth, right? He, he, he just had wealth. He was really, really powerful. But near the end of his life, he, he started making some bad decisions. Bible talks about how he, he had multiple wives, like in the hundreds, and those, the alliances that he made with those women led him away from the Lord. And because of that, God told him this. He said, because you did not do what your father David did, I will rip the kingdom away from you. But I've made a promise to my son, to my, to my son David, to my friend David, that he will always be on the throne. So I'm, I'm going to leave one tribe in your hand, in your lineage, but everything else will be ripped away from you. So there's a prophet that comes to one of the guys that worked for Solomon, and this guy's name was Jeroboam. Okay? Track with me. Jeroboam. Prophet, you know, we're absolutely like over the top. So the prophet comes, the Bible says that he takes a cloth and he rips it in like 12 pieces. Like, wow, this is what the Lord says. This is how I imagine it happened. This is what the Lord said he will do. Well, why does he have an accent? I don't know. This is what the Lord said he will do. He will take the 12 tribes and he will rip it away in little pieces. And Jeroboam, he will give you 10 and he will give the two to, to the house of Solomon. 
So Solomon hears of this, and Solomon's like, I'm going to kill Jeroboam because I don't want him to take away the tribe. So Jeroboam runs away. He goes to Egypt. Solomon dies, and Solomon's son, Rehoboam, I'm like, really? Jeroboam, Rehoboam? Rehoboam takes the throne, and he's about to get crowned king. And the people of Israel come to him and say, hey, you know what? Your father was really, really harsh with us. And he, you know, like the taxes were hard. The work workload was really, really hard. You know, can you cut us a break? Just give us a little bit. No, just, you're rich. You're rich. You got money. You got money, money. Just, you know, just allow us. Just let us, let us rest a little bit. Now, Rehoboam had two groups of counsels. He had the counsels that belonged to his father, and he had his friends. And the counsels that belonged to his father were like, hey, man, you should listen to, you should listen to the people. You know, one of the good traits of a good king is you're, you're here to serve the people. That's what a servant leader does. You serve the people. And he's like, okay, let me talk to my friends. So he talks to his friends. His friends are like, no, I want to get rich. I want more. That's not what the Bible says. This is my interpretation. But his friends are like, you know what? I want to get rich. I want more money. So no, say no to this tax stuff. Increase the task, the tax. Increase the workload because these people are just lazy. That's what they are. So what, what do you guys think Rehoboam does? Listens to his friends. So he listens to his friends, and the people of Israel, the ten tribes, they rebel against Rehoboam. So Rehoboam is left with the tribe of Judah and some of the tribes of Benjamin. And because of this now, there's animosity between Israel and Judah. So there's two different kingdoms that were formed. So this is what, I want to give you guys an example, no, not an example, but a picture of what kind of king Rehoboam was. So 1 Kings 14, 21 to, 4, 21 to 24 says this in the message. Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he took the throne and was a king for 17 years in Jerusalem, the city God selected for all the tribes of Israel for the worship of his name. Rehoboam's mother was Naamah, an Ammonite. Judah was openly wicked before God. Not even closed behind doors, eh? Openly wicked before God, making him very angry. They set new records of sin, surpassing anything their ancestors had done. This is quite the statement to be said. They built Ashra and Ash, they built Ashra sects and religious shrines and set up sacred stones all over the place, on the hills, under trees, wherever you looked. Worse, they had male sacred prostitutes polluting the country. Outrageously, all the stuff that God had gotten rid of when he brought Israel into the land. So the scripture says that Rehoboam was not a good king. He followed after Solomon's example. So after Rehoboam comes Rehoboam's son, his name is Abijah. And this is what the scripture says about Abijah, 1 Kings 15.3. Abijah committed all the sins of his father had committed before him. Abijah did not obey the Lord God with all of his heart. He didn't do what King David had done. So Abijah was as wicked in his leadership as his father Rehoboam. And after Abijah comes now the main character of our story, King Asa. The Bible says that King Asa was a righteous king. And his heart was turned towards the Lord. He sought the Lord. King Asa, as soon as he got into, into um, authority, into his throne, he started bringing reformation and a revival. And this is what the scripture says. 
And this is like in the 15th year of his life. This is 2 Chronicles 15, 8-19. It says, As I heard the prophecy of, of Azariah. So there's a prophet that comes to him, and his name is Isaiah, prophesies over him. Over him and Judah. And the Bible says, As I heard the prophecy of Azariah, son of Obed, took a deep breath, then rolled up his sleeves and went to work. He cleaned out the obscene and polluting, polluting sacred shrines from the whole country of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. He spruced up the altar of God that was in front of the temple porch. Then he called an assembly for all of Judah and Benjamin, including those of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were living there with him. They all arrived in Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign for a great assembly of worship. For their earlier plunder, they offered in sacrifice of 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep for worship. They obeyed, or sorry, then they bound themselves in a covenant to seek God, the God of their fathers, wholeheartedly holding nothing back. And they agreed that anyone who refused to seek God, the God of Israel, should be killed, no matter who it was, young or old, men or women. They shouted out their promise to God, a joyful sound accompanied by blasts from the trumpet, trumpets and ram's horns. The whole country felt good about the covenant promise. They had given, sorry, they had given their promise joyfully from their heart. Anticipating the best, they had sought God, and he showed up ready to be found. God gave them peace within and without a most peaceable kingdom. In his cleanup of the country, Asa went as so as far as to remove his mother, Queen Maka, from the throne because she had built shockingly obscene images of, of the sex goddess Asherah. Asa tore it down, smashed it, and burnt it into, in the Kindred, Kidron Valley. Unfortunately, he didn't get rid of all the local sex and religion shrines, but he was well-intentioned. His heart was in the right place, loyal to God. All the gold and silver vessels and artifacts that he and his father had consecrated for the holy use, he installed in the temple of God, and there wasn't a trace, there wasn't a trace of war up until his 35th year of reign. We see here King Asa gets into power and he means business. He starts cutting down all these obscene shrines and he starts turning the hearts of the people of Israel back to God. Like imagine this, in 15 years, this one guy coming from a lineage of people who did not worship God, who fell away from God, but he says, you know what? I will turn the hearts of the people of Judah back to God. We will worship the one and true God. And the Bible says that there is reformation that happens. And all these things, all these ways that they were sinning, they turn away from it. And they turn to the one and true God. And he is winning all these battles. Go read in the stories. He is, he is trusting the Lord with his heart. He is winning all these battles. People make a covenant and they throw this party and they said, anyone, to the point, they say, anyone who doesn't worship God, doesn't deserve to live among us. And the Bible says that there was peace in his kingdom until his 35th year of reign. So my question now becomes, what happened after his 35th year of reign? I'm glad that you asked, even though you didn't ask. This is what 2 Chronicles 16 and 7 says. Actually, before we read this, we'll say this. I'll, I'll, explain you guys, I'll explain this to you guys. So in his 36th year 
of rain, the king of Israel. Remember when I said that there's animosity between Israel and Judah. The king of Israel decides to attack Judah. And he sets up siege in Judah. And he, in a way that no one can come into Judah and go out of Judah. So the king of Judah, King Asa, is now afraid. He's like, oh, snap, what am I going to do? And the Bible says that he takes all of the precious stones, all of the gold precious stones from the temple of God, takes it from the temple of God, and he goes to the king of Aram, and he says this, hey, king of Aram, let's make a covenant just like our fathers had. Stop attacking the king of, or, um, Attack the king of Israel so that he would stop attacking me. And the king of Aram is like, well, you gave me money. Sounds good. And he goes and he attacks the king of Israel. The king of Israel realizes that, oh, my country is being attacked. So he goes back to Israel to defend his country, defend his territory. And Asa really gets like his strategy works. And there wasn't a siege anymore in Judah. But something happened right there and then. And the prophet comes to Asa and he says this. At that time, this is Second Chronicles 16, 7 to 9. At that time, Hanani the seer came to King Asa and told him, Because you have put your trust in King Aram, instead of the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and the Libyans in their vast army with all of their chariots and charioteers. At that time, you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. See, his strategy worked. He won the battle, but the Lord came to him and said, you lost the war. And the reason why he lost the war is because he literally took his affection, his hope away from God. And guys, I said, he took the gold and all the precious stones away from the temple and gave it to King Aram. And the Bible says that where your treasure is, your heart is there also. So he literally took his affection away from God, turned his, his affection or his heart away from God and put it into men. So he started depending on a political alliance instead of God. And God says, hey, don't you remember what I did when your heart was turned towards me? Don't you remember when I gave you victory when you trusted in me? Why would you plunder the temple, which represents the place of encounter with God, which represents the place of communion with God, which represents the place of union with God? Why would you plunder your place of communion, encounter, and union with God when you're, when you're face down with something that is that it's when you're fearful, when you're face down with fear, instead of trusting me. And God says this, you got victory over Israel, but you missed your chance to get victory over Israel and Aram. Because this was a setup not only to give you victory over Israel, but to also give you victory over Aram. The very thing that you put your trust in. I would have made you, I would have given you victory over that very thing. I would have made you more powerful than that. But because you've settled and because you sought victory or you sought to do things out of your own strength, you won the battle but you did not win the war. And the Bible says from that point on, the peace that he experienced for the last 15 years disappeared. 
in that moment because he put his trust in man. And this is what God says, and this is what I believe is the word of the Lord for us. He says, the eyes of the Lord is searching the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So my friend, this year, the eyes of the Lord is searching the whole earth to see who's, to find people whose hearts are turned towards him so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. So he can strengthen them. And the Lord is inviting us to keep our affection and to keep our devotion to him, towards him. And he says that if we keep our devotion towards him, he will show himself strong on our behalf. If we keep our eyes on him, he will show himself strong on our behalf. And just like I started out by saying in the sermon, is part of the reason why we don't keep our affection, our hope, and our, our desire in God, our riches in God, is because we don't see him rightly. It's because we have failed to see him as a God who gives us the victory. So we seek to see victory out of our own strength. We make wrong alliances like Asa did. And we lose the very thing that God has promised us because we've made wrong alliances. And the Lord this year, at the top of the year, is is telling you, I am looking to make myself strong on your behalf. I am looking to be the God of miracles on your behalf. I am looking to give you the breakthrough that you've been asking for. I am looking to make your dreams come true. And what I am asking in return Proverbs says it this way, to lean not on your own understanding, to trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And he will, he will straighten your path. Where there's, where there's bumps, where there's holes, where there's like potholes, where there's curves, he will make your path straight. But what we need to do is lean not on our own understanding. Trust him with all of our hearts. Trust him with all of our hearts because he is looking. The eyes of the Lord this year is going to and fro the whole earth seeking who he can be strong, on whose behalf he can be strong. So this is not just a, like, message that I'm preaching just to you, sharing, cool, sharing. But this is actually something that I've recently lived out. I'm going to tell you guys, I told you guys I love stories. And God knows that I, that I love stories. So I'm going to tell you guys something um, super personal. So uh, my wife and I um, have, for the last few years, have been on a hunt to find a house in Toronto, Toronto market. Right before, right before the pandemic, we were like, we were right there. It, it felt like we were just, just right there. And then the pandemic hits, and we're like, okay. And then you guys know what happened with the housing market. And it just felt like everything just disappeared, like through our fingers. And I had some real, real choice words with the Lord. I'm like, God. And all you're in your secret time, you're like, God, why? God, why? Don't you know me? Don't you see me? I am your servant. I serve you, God. What happened? Oh, Jesus, please. And God is like, yeah, just, just, just relax. 
<laughs> Where's your hope? Anyways, so that, that's happening. And my wife and I are still looking. We're taking like two years. We're looking for a house. Nothing is quite clicking. We're, we're almost like, like bought out of the market or like priced out of the market. And then we took a break. And at the end of last year, we're like, let's throw our net on the other side. Let's see what happens. Some things kind of came through. So we, we're going to see homes and nothing is clicking. Everything that we're looking at just doesn't fit us. And I'm getting super discouraged. I'm like, how is this going to work, God? And then in the back of my mind, I'm faced with fear. And I start to, to want to make alliances with the wrong things. So here are the wrong things. I'm looking. I'm like, yo, Calgary is calling my name. Calgary, <laughs> Calgary. Cal- you know, I can buy a house for like $150,000 in the mansion. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> you know, Calgary is calling my name. And then I saw that it was like minus 40. I'm like, this African guy will not <laughs> survive in Calgary. But anyways, because of hopelessness, I'm like, God, how are we going to do this? So I'm starting to talk to my wife. Thank God for faith-filled wives and women. In our, well, yeah. I'm starting to talk to my wife. I'm like, hey, man, you know, maybe we need to move like further away from the city. She's like, this is not the word of the Lord. This is not what God has said. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? We don't have what it takes. And she'll be like, but God can do it. God can do a miracle. I'm like, I know he can, but he's not doing it. But we need to do something ourselves. So <laughs> one Saturday, this is after a long conversation of like, I don't want to do this. Literally, I was talking to her. I'm like, maybe we need to like move to it was like Calgary, we need to move to this, we need to move to that. It was just foolish drunk talk. And, and my wife was just being a good wife, and she's listening to me. She goes, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. But she just was not agreeing with me. She sees a house, and she's like, hey, babes, do you mind if we go see a house tomorrow? And oh, ye of great faith that I am, I'm like, I don't want to go. I'm not going to like it. And if I like it, we're not going to get it. Like, it's just not going to work. I'm like, fine, I'm still going to go. I'm going to, you know, I'll do it for you. So we go to the house. I thought I was going to like it. I walk in. I'm like, oh, this is actually a nice house. This is, this is cool. But on the way there, there was another house that I had, I had my eyes on. Um, but it was absolutely priced out of our budget. I'm like, there's no way, like, whatever. But I tell our agent, I'm like, hey, let's, let's go see the house. Can we, can we just go see it? Because sometimes it's just good to go tour some homes and, and see it and, and hope. So we go see the first house. We see it as nice, but it didn't quite work for us. And then we go see the second house that we weren't supposed to see. Marf and I walk into it. We're like, wow, this house is amazing. This house is beautiful. God, we love it. And then we talk to our agent. He's like, well, you know what? This is how much it's going for. But let's see if we can put an offer for whatever, like, what you guys can afford. So Marf and I go back home, and we, and we, we, we do our budget. And we agreed. I'm like, well, you know, I can fast for like six months and go without, f- without food, drink sugar water, you know, maybe have holes in my, in my shoes, but at least we'll have a house. We'll make it, we're going to make this happen. At least we'll own a house. And my wife is looking at me. She's just rolling her eyes. She's like, man, she's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. So we put in an offer and we negotiate and they accept our offer. And still this offer, I call it the sugar water offer. You know what I mean? It, it was a sugar water offer and a stretch of faith. I'm like, but God, you're the God of miracles. But something on the inside of me was still like, I don't know how this is happening. 
few days later, like we're going through the process, the deal just falls through. And I'm, for the first like few hours or first day, let's be honest, first few days, because it's happened really fast, I'm devastated. I go back and this woes me. They woes me, Jesus. Jesus, why me? Don't you love me? So I take out my phone. I'm looking, I'm, <laughs> I'm showing my wife, I'm like, yo, look at this house in Calgary. Isn't it? It's calling your name. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll buy really warm jackets. And when it's really cold, we're not going. Anyways, it's foolishness. And um we call our agents, if also we call our agents. No, our agent calls us back and is like, hey, you know what? The sellers want to make it work. And we try to make it work, and it just doesn't work. But in that process, the Lord worked on my heart. He did the very thing that I'm talking about. And what he was after in my heart, he was asking, Samuel, who has your heart? Where is your hope found? Is your hope found in your ability to make it work? Because, yes, you can move to Calgary and make it work. You can move to wherever and, and, and make it work. But is your hope found in me? Do you really believe that I can make it work? And I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? God, I trust you. And part of, ooh, and part of the way I did it was this. I'm going to backtrack. When the... When, the prophet king came to King Asa, he said this. Don't you remember what the Lord did with the Ethiopians? Their army was even larger than this, but then your hope was in God. Don't you remember? Part of the reason why we falter before impossible situations or what we think is impossible situation or before fear or we give our treasures to fear is because we fail to remember what the Lord has done for us in the past. We have a poor life of thanksgiving. We have a poor life of praise. But when you live a life of thanksgiving, you live a life of praise. You remember what God has done. So when you come before an impossible situation, you say, God, I remember when you beat the Ethiopians. Their army was bigger. I remember what you've done for me. And if you did that for me, you will do this for me. So I got in a place where I was like, God, I remember what you've done for me. I remember when we had no children and you made a way. I remember when I was about to die and you made a way. I remember when I had nothing to eat and you made a way. I remember where you took me out and you made a way. And this thing of house, God, your word says that you've given me your son. Why would you withhold anything? And I got myself in the place of faith. The situation didn't change, but my heart changed. And I was like, no matter what happens with this house, God, I know you got us. Because you are the God of miracles. And as this is happening, I kid you not, I didn't know like this was going to happen. I am writing this message. So I started writing this message before this whole situation starts happening. So our agent, I call our agent. I'm like, hey, you know what? We're going to lay this thing down. We're going to sign the papers. And we're just going to wait. Call our agent. Sign the papers. We sign the papers. We send it back to him. And a few days have gone by, and we didn't hear from our agent. So January 2nd, I text our agent, um, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Because I'm like, I don't want to be liable for a house that I didn't buy. And he's like, hey, don't worry. The sellers are going to send back the papers just now for you to, like, for the deal to, to be done. An hour later, he calls me. 
and I pick up the phone. Let me tell you something about our agent. Our agent got close to our family, um, and on December 18th, our children were performing. We invited him out to church, so he came to church, and he is in his mid-40s, mid-50s probably, mid-50s, and this was the first time that he had ever been to church. And he was like, oh, wow, it was amazing, had a great experience. Fast forward, he calls me, and this is what comes out of his mouth. He goes, either one, like, either you or your wife, you guys have direct access to the men upstairs. And I'm like, sure you're right, Bishop. Sure you're right. <laughs> so you guys, one of you has direct access to the men upstairs. So I, I chuckle. I'm like, okay, why? He goes, the sellers are refusing to sign the papers and they want to give you, or they want to significantly lower the price of the home. And I'm like, wow, God, you're amazing. So I'm like, okay, what's the price? And he tells us the price. And because my heart was in God, my hope was in God, and I wasn't trying to make it happen out of my own strength, the deal was still sugar water deal. So I was like, I was like I'm, I'm not doing sugar water because you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to fast for 21 days, but I'm not going to fast longer unless, unless the Lord asks me to do it. So we tell our, 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 our agent, hey, this is what we can do. Sorry, we can't. Our agent is like, hey, you know what? They've already significantly come down on the price of the house. I don't think they're going to do it, but let us give it a try. I'm like, cool. So he hangs up. And my wife and I go on about our day. We're talking. I'm so fostering. Like, I, I, would love, I would love to say that. I was like, yeah, I'm a man of faith. And I was like, yes, this is what's going to happen. I'm like, yo, babes, can we make it happen? I swear, I will drink sugar water. You know what I mean? You guys will be cool. No, the kids will be cool. I will just fast. I may be really skinny, but, you know, I will seek the Lord and fast. I'll make sure to pray. My wife is like, Samuel, just what are you talking about? So we go on day. I go back and forth, but I get myself back into the place of faith. And our agent calls us in the evening. He goes, hey, Samuel, um, put it on speaker. Put the phone on speaker. He goes, congratulations. They accepted the offer at the price that you had. And I was like, isn't that just like God? God is looking to make himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are turned towards him. God, come on, church. I don't think you're getting it. I don't think you're getting it. God this year is looking to make himself strong. God is looking to show up as the God of miracles. God is looking to show up as the all-powerful one. God is looking to show up as the one who answers prayers. And what he's asking of us is keep your faith in me. Don't try to make it happen out of your own strength. Don't try to make it happen out of your own strength. Matthew says it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And the word of the Lord, for part of the word of the Lord for us this year, is God is in the business of all these things being added onto us. He really is. He really is. And he wants to kill the disappointment in the heart that many of us carried specifically in the past year that we just finished. Some of us had goals, some of us had hopes, and they didn't come to pass, and we carry disappointments in our heart. And God is saying in 2023, he is desiring to show up as a God of miracles. He is desiring to show up as the one who makes dreams come to pass. 
and what we need to do, seek first the kingdom of God. Lead not on our own understanding. Turn our hearts, our affection towards him. And God is asking us to no longer rob our place of communion with him and offer up sacrifice to fear. God is saying, I need a people who will know who I am. I need a people who will see me rightly. And I need a people when the day of battle comes, will stand and say, I know my God is able. I need a people who remember what I've done for them. I need a people who live in the place of thanksgiving. I need a people who meditate on how, how, how big I am. How strong I am, but now how impossible the situations are. I need a people who would know that I can do the impossible. And as you keep your feet grounded in the knowledge of who God is, he will do it. He will show himself strong. There are three things that the Lord um, talked to me about. If I can have Mike back. Oh, there you are. The Lord talked to me about three categories of people that I want to pray for. First are people who are looking for a house. And, and the Lord did it for us. And the reason why I showed, shared the story wasn't to say, oh, look at me, I'm perfect. My heart is turned towards the Lord. I've done it perfectly. Yay, Samuel. But often what the Lord does is if he's given one a breakthrough, it is a precedence for others. So I've shared my story to turn up your faith level. To be like, hey, if he's done it for Pastor Samuel, he can do it for me. If he made a way where literally Pastor Samuel was just like, I don't see it. How is this going to happen? But the Lord is willing. I, there are things about this process that I'm not at liberty to share. But it is it, it is impossible. It would have been impossible for my wife and I to have done this on our own. But God literally moved mountains. He literally moved mountains and he showed himself strong on our behalf. So first category of people who are believing for homes. And I'm going to pray for you. Because the Lord wants to do it. Second category, the Lord was speaking to me about people. And some of you, if you don't know our, our story, my wife and I's story, come in, come in, come in, come and talk to us after. Um, married couples who are believing to have children. I believe that this year will be a year of conception. The Lord's, the, the word of the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said that this year will be a year of conception. That the barren womb will bear children. The barren womb will bear children. And this year, the Lord will give Samuels. The Lord will give promised children this year. And the third category are people, the Lord spoke to me about people who have, um, I'll, I'll use this, this, this term, but it's like, issues with their bloodstreams. 
bloodstream. So it's like high blood pressure, diabetes, and something, um, just anything that has to do with the blood. Any illness that has to do with the blood, the Lord wants to heal. So this is what I want you to do. If, if that is you, all eyes closed. If that is you, I want you to just slip your hand up. Any of those, if you're believing for a house, issues with your health, barrenness. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for what you've done for at Esther and I. God, I thank you that you are no respecter of people or persons. God, I pray, Father, for the miraculous, Father. God, I ask, Lord, that you would cause those who are believing to, to buy a home, to purchase a home, Father, that you would move mountains, God, that you would do what is necessary, Father, you would make a way where there seems to be no way, Jesus. God, we put our hope in you and you, in you alone. God, I pray, Father, for those who are believing to bear children. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak life, Father, to the womb. I speak life to the womb, God. I speak life to the womb. I speak life to the womb, God. I speak life to that womb, God. In the name of Jesus, God, I cancel the sign of the assignment of the enemy that comes and brings barrenness, God. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to the womb, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Father, that 2023 will be a year, Father, where we celebrate children, God, where we celebrate the birth of children, Father, where we celebrate, Father, the gift of children in the name of Jesus. And God, I also thank you, God, that 2023 will be a year where we celebrate, Father, marriages in the name of Jesus. That everyone that is believing for a spouse would receive in the name of Jesus. And God, right now, I also pray, Father, for everyone that has issues in their blood, Father. Six, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, anything that has to do with Father with the blood. God, I thank you, Father, that as you've highlighted those things, Lord, you've made provision for healing. So God, I thank you, Father, even as I pray. I thank you, Father, for your manifest, the manifestation, Father, of your miracle. In the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for all of us, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people. Who trust you with all of our hearts. That we lean not on our own understanding. And in all of our ways, we acknowledge you. And Lord, you promise, God, that you will make our path straight. So I thank you, Lord, that your desire for 2023 it's to make our path straight. It's to remove obstacles, God. It's to move mountains, God. It's to make what we thought impossible be possible, God. But God, teach us to remain in the place of trust. Teach us to remain in the place, Father, of honor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Wasn't that a great message this morning? If you want to bow your heads for a few moments just before we go, 
I think that in this time of prayer and fasting and seeking God, it would be wrong of me not to allow those of you who do not know God in a time of searching for him. The Bible says they that search after or hunger after righteousness shall be filled. Those that are, are searching for him, it is the desire of God that you would know him and that all of us are sinners and all of us need a savior and all of us have missed the mark. It's that old archery term once again, where we there is a gap between us and God, where our sin has separated us from God. The things that we have done that do not please God, that keeps us and it separates us from God. But thank God for sending his son, Jesus, the savior of the world, we just celebrated that at Christmas, that has reconciled us to God so that we can have a personal relationship with him. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, the areas, the faults, the things that keep us from him, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. But we've got to confess our sins. We've got to put our hope. We've been talking about that tonight in God, not in of ourselves not in our own abilities. We are in need of a savior, each and every one of us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna give an opportunity that if you are on your journey of seeking and you're on your journey of trying to figure out who this God is and how to draw near to him, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to come into a new relationship with God, the creator God who loves you, and gave up his son just for you. So if you're in this room, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and you're saying to me, even at the beginning of this fast, you're just like, I don't know what this fast, like I'm not even, I don't really understand all that, but I do know that I need a savior and I do know that I'm drowning in my sin. I want you to just raise your hand quickly because it'd be wrong of me not to give you an opportunity as we begin in this journey. So Father, I thank you in this room for all of us that are believers here. And maybe there are those that did not raise their hand, but they knew they should have. Father, I pray that as we begin this journey in 2023, you promised that you wouldn't leave us alone. That you would give us the spirit of truth that would bring us into all revelation of the heart of the Father towards us. So we ask as we go today, God, I pray for great grace for us as we fast, as we draw near. I pray for the families in our congregation that are going to read and open up the scripture together, that are praying together, that are are crying out loud for greater levels of intimacy with you. Father, may you respond with yourself. May every household be filled with your peace and the fragrant aroma of your presence. God, we need you. We love you and we need you. And we thank you today that you lead us and you go before us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple reminders. We do have all church prayer coming up this Friday. Please come. We're excited that you would be with us. We're going to press in in worship and prayer. We're excited for what the Lord wants to do in 2023. So before you go, greet someone around you.
turn to them and say, hey, God is looking for you. Turn to somebody and say that. God's looking for you. He's searching for you. Amen. Have a great rest of your day today.